Sunward Sky, Episode 2.7 Time Meg shook her head. She was intermittently staring at the display, watching the 8-section LED timer tick inexorably lower, waiting for Alyssa and Healy to come bursting back through the door. Time always did this when she was stressed, dilated, stretched out interminably. All she wanted was for it to be over, for the 20-minute timer to end, and for her crewmates to come bursting back in through the door. The counter ticked down to just above 10 minutes. She hoped they were nearly at the tanks now. A couple minutes more and they wouldn't get back in time before she had to spin the ship back up again. Just another pair of dead astronauts, called to serve for the sake of those on the ground. The tech that kept the world she was denied moving. She tore her eyes away from the countdown and waited. After three, or maybe four, eternities, she stared back at the timer. Twelve seconds had passed. At this point, she didn't even particularly care whether or not it was oxygen or fuel. Except she did. It made a material difference to the ship's ability to continue along its current trajectory. If it were fuel, they would need to reevaluate the jettison schedule to make sure it was possible to keep the orbit from degrading too sharply. It would be a lot of work, but it would be possible. The orbit she'd plotted with the ground crew before had been marginal with a little room to spare in case of emergencies. It was a good thing that there'd been anything at all, but that had only lasted a scant handful of minutes before it got blown out of plumb by this damn leak, whatever that was. But no, jettison would still be possible, and if she was really clever she might be able to get the ship down without it burning up in the atmosphere. If it was oxygen though, well that was a different story. They could have hours. They could have less than hours. The timer ticked downward from 10 minutes to 9. The change was only a second, she knew that, but the entire segmented section of LEDs glowing dark at once, never to come back, made the leap feel longer than it was in her mind. She breathed in, trying to stay calm. Once that failed, she swore repeatedly and clapped her open palm against the surface of the console in impotent frustration. The lack of gravity sent her careening away from the console. Come on, she said, gathering herself. She watched the crass line that demarcated the ship's decaying orbit, watched as it dipped below the projected line that leapfrogged around the Earth with its proposed jettison points overlaid. A small chime twittered across the bridge. For a moment, Meg didn't recognize the sound, but after a few seconds she realized what had happened. They'd fallen out of the shadow of the Earth and into the range of the comms team she'd been in contact with before. She pushed herself across to the comm desk, glad to be able to do anything but have to watch that counter tick down. Sunward Sky, come in Sunward Sky, Sunward Sky, come in. The voice spat across the bridge, tinny and fuzzy. This is Sunward Sky, go ahead Ground Control, Meg said, steadying herself with one hand against a makeshift handhold and the other on the comm array. Her legs shot out parallel to the floor behind her, swaying as though in a breeze. In actuality, it was the ship swaying around her. Sunward Sky, you are approaching almost one degree more steeply than according to projected trajectory. Please note that current trajectory will likely result in critically dangerous conditions for crew. I know that. Don't you think I know that? Meg thought, resisting the urge to put the ground crew on spray for pointing out the bloody obvious. She swore again then thumbed the comm to explain the situation. 
The cargo bay was a completely different place from what she'd seen the last time she was there, Alyssa thought, trying not to get too distracted as she flung herself further towards the ship's engineering sector. Where before the gigantic bay had been closed, and near completely dark, full of whispers and secrets from the conspirators from Project Blackout she'd followed in before the crash. Now it was nothing more than a liminal space. The enormous gangway hatched yawned open. The curve of the earth, deep blue with sickly orange clouds, was visible on the left side from where Alyssa craned her head, bobbing and weaving and looping around as the ship's gate continued to wander through space. Several robot arms lay poised next to a set of scrape marks on the floor, where a weightless piece of cargo had been flung out in an attempt to force some extra lift out of the doomed ship. The rest of the space was a cavern that felt like a mausoleum. Large containers lay strapped to the floor, forming tectonic breaks in the central drum. They looked like places where people died. Tombstones, waiting for victims. A shudder ran down her spine as she sped along. The air from the main corridor of the spacecraft was long gone, and she could hear nothing of the outside world. Just the anechoic rasp of her own breath as it fogged the window of her suit. In front of her, Healy began to softly tap against the columns on one side and the bulkheads on the other, breaking in that strange way that those too familiar with low G were able to. Alyssa tried to copy but pressed too hard, almost sending herself past the railing, over the gangway that they were racing down, and into the drum of the cargo bay. Panicking, she overcorrected and pushed against the columns on her right which sent her careening into the wall. The lack of oxygen meant Healy didn't hear her and continued his more nuanced deceleration. Swearing to herself, Alyssa pulled along the steel grating of the floor to get herself moving again, watching carefully as Healy's suit in front of her continued to slow down in front of a large hatch. It was a rounded rectangle and even more worn than the surfaces of the rest of the spacecraft. The word Engineering was all but gone, only visible by way of slight darkening around where the painted lettering had protected the steelwork for longer than its uncoated counterpart adjacent. The yellow warning stripes that had once ringed doorway, along with the hazard symbols, were also nothing more than vague vestiges, bright yellow burnished down to a dull brown over the course of years of failure to upkeep. Alyssa approached more cautiously but still panicking at the lack of time remaining before Meg would have to spin the wings up again and they would be effectively locked in the drum. Healy turned as he reached the hatchway, turning and seeing Alyssa lagging for the first time. He didn't beckon, there was no point. He did open the hatch to the engineering deck and leave it ajar. Alyssa realised this meant she didn't have to slow down to a complete halt, but could move through the hatch slowly. She adjusted her braking to match. She could still see Healy's face through his visor, and he mouthed the words, Careful! before she passed into the engineering deck. She passed the threshold and looked around. If the cargo bay was a cemetery, the engineering bay looked like the end of the world. Sunward Sky, please confirm you are venting pressurized fluid of unknown description. Meg confirmed. Yes and it's knocking us off course. She glanced nervously at the timer on the display as it danced slowly downward. Less than six minutes now. 
currently attempting to ascertain damage and nature of fluid vent. Expecting an update ETA six minutes. More than that, she knew. The timer was how long they had to get to back to the, the hatch. It would take another mineral or two to get back to the bridge. If they made it. Alyssa hadn't seen the engineering deck before the crash, but it would appear that whoever had been running it hadn't been following the safety protocols that were adhered to so closely by Healy and the crew in the wings. Tools and maintenance equipment floated in the air around her, between flashed out digital panels and emergency analogue backups. Stainless piping protruded from the floors and walls, all connected by a wellspring of sensors and readouts into the panels. Some of them still blinked with red, blue, orange and green LEDs in obfuscated patterns that probably made sense to whoever it was who had worked here. As she turned to wait for Healy, she saw another pipe, larger than most. It ran up from just behind the hatchway, protruding from the ceiling and kinking at waist level to run along the forward wall of the room. About three quarters of the way to the corner, a large spigot broke the line. Jutting out perpendicular was a spigot handle locked in the closed position. Impaled on that was the remains of a person. They were snapped over the pipe, and the handle protruded through the small of their back, crusted in a thick layer of dried and frozen blood, crystallized into a scarlet so dark that it was almost black. When the crash had happened, they'd evidently been thrown against the pipe. From the knees down, the legs were bent at unlikely angles after being crushed against the wall, Bones snapped against the steel plating that separated engineering from the cargo bay. Compound fractures split the skin. Bones died with the same shade of deep black blood that marred the handle of the spigot. The face was... gone. After being thrown against the pipe, their head kept moving and had evidently smashed face first into the wall and disintegrated. Alyssa could see three sets of bloodstains. The first was the initial violent spatter from the impact on the wall, spraying outwards in an explosion of instantaneous violence. The second was the pool of low-G blood billow, which had incidentally touched the wall, smears here and there over the top of the first, darker, deoxygenated, and billowing. Then finally, there was the sharp, broken splashes from when the pool of blood had been driven to the floor again when the ship got underway. She blanched and did everything she could to avoid vomiting in her suit. How would her life come to this? Don sat in front of her, nonplussed. His arms were crossed in incredulity, a doubtful expression on his face. Alyssa was resisting the urge to reach out and slap the scrunched-up expression of his features. This was Don at his most frustrating. The latest reshuffle of the organisation had come through several weeks earlier, Alyssa had missed it after another night of measurement and recording of data, but she'd found out soon enough. Don had gloated into the room the next day, waiting barely a minute before declaring his latest promotion. Head of department, can you believe it? He'd said. Alyssa could, and at the same time noticed the number of friends Don had in other similar positions around the university. Now, she was his direct report, and his research goals had shifted away from the esoteric and interesting to the directly pecuniary. This was a problem for Alyssa. She'd been on the verge of a breakthrough with her drug formulation, but who was going to buy it? She'd had problems enough with getting the work approved even up to this stage, 
and she'd been working overtime to record the results in lieu of being allowed to hire a lab tech to do it. Don didn't see the issue. Spacers didn't have the money or means to buy the drug anyway, so why keep working on it? So here he was, nonplussed, and on the verge of getting slapped by Alyssa. Don, she began, but he cut her off. Look, it's all very admirable, he said, managing to sound magnanimous through the dripping sanctimony. And I'm sure all this work will be picked up down the line, but at the moment, there's just nothing to do. You can argue the results. I tested all kinds of lab tissues. Results are positive, staggering even. Nevertheless, we didn't get an agreement to test on humans. So argue it. You're the department head now. Send it back. Ask on what grounds it's being denied. Every single marker is indicating that this could be life-saving. Don sighed. Look, I'm not going to argue with you again. The fuck you aren't, Alyssa said. You're betraying your responsibility to the university and to the research that we do. Responsibility? I'm not the one spending university resources on a dead-end project without approval. There has to be an end goal, he said. There is an end goal, Alyssa said. Life-saving medication. Oh? And who's going to buy it? What benefit do we get? We just pump money into a bunch of minimum wage space jockeys and out of the good of our hearts? Yes, Alyssa cried in exasperation. God, yes, that's what I'm proposing. She reached her arms out on either side of her in a vain again attempt to do something. Some ancient evolutionary trait to make herself seem bigger, to make her ideas seem better, to make him listen. He didn't listen. He stood up and walked from the room. And at that moment, the project was officially dead. Days later, Alyssa had decided that if she couldn't get someone to see sense and to see the real need for the medical attention to the people who kept their systems working, she'd do it herself. For months, she'd worked well into the evening. She skimmed volumes off materials in the lab. She dropped test results from other experiments, claiming lab apps accidents as the reason things were going missing. She came in at 2am three times a week to manufacture a series of pills that had the drug in it. It didn't have a name. She would pore over the results from the tissue tests, looking for evidence that it wouldn't work. Finally, she had enough. The pills were small and chalky. Nothing like the smooth tabs or capsules of a professional high-production pharmacy. Her tabs were ill-shaped and prone to snapping, but she kept them in a pocket in her bag, snuck them from the lab. She got the confirmation of her crew status on the Sunward Sky two days after she quit her position at the university. Healy crashed into her helmet, softly but fast enough to bring her back from her reverie. The broken corpse of the ship's engineer was still there, the shattered remains pulled suddenly from Alyssa's view as Healy wheeled her around. He pressed his helmet to hers and his voice echoed through the visor as he yelled, Come on, we have to go! and pointed back at the door toward the way they'd come. What? What about the engineering room? She shouted back. I've been... Oh God, how long had she been staring at that body for? What had happened to her? The trauma of the last few hours were catching up to her. She wasn't functioning particularly well, or fast, yet. Was it fuel or oxygen? She yelled, but Healy was already moving, pulling himself along the corridor as fast as he could with an urgency she'd not seen in the man before. Oh God, she thought. How much time do we have left? 
Meg glanced at the clock. Less than two minutes. She looked at the new set of calcs. The next jettison was due any second now, and it had to happen. No matter which of the resources she could see spraying from the side of the ship, she hoped the jolt wouldn't affect Alyssa and Healy. Alyssa yelped as the robot arms inside the cargo drums sprang into life. The six-axis machines turned in to grab a series of containers, before flinging them with an unlikely burst of speed out of the bay of the spacecraft. She had been rushing through the air at the time, and she felt as though she had been stuck in a dolly zoom as the spacecraft's gangway leapt towards her as the ship accelerated. Both she and Healy didn't expect it, and they had to brake harder than they would otherwise in an attempt to slow their relative speed before the tunnel to the hatchway sped by them. Healy was trying not to panic as he overshot the hatch and had to crawl back a few feet. There was 20 seconds left before the ship's gravity would re-engage and the hatchway would be forced to close. They weren't going to make it. Meg watched the timer as it continued to count down. The same shift from 10 minutes to 9 happened, only this time it was 9 seconds. Her hand hovered over the command to restart the ship's spin. 5 seconds. She had to press it. They couldn't afford more time not under gravity, not having control. And every second they didn't have was a potential catastrophe for anyone who might have internal bleeding or other injuries from the crash. The timer hit zero. She told her hand to press the button, but she couldn't make it move. There was some broken part of her brain, like the wiring between the command and the action was split and fraying. Locking them out of the wings at this point was a death sentence. It seemed cruel, somehow, to not know if they'd made it across the line in time. The timer began to count upward. Meg watched, frozen, as the numbers grew larger, until once again the segmented display shifted from one digit to two. She had to press the button. Had to. She couldn't wait any longer. Something connected in her mind, and she slammed her hand on the control, sending herself weightlessly flying into the ceiling. Around her, the mechanical growl of a large motor resonated through the hull. As the spin increased, the motor sound whirred more, and she gradually floated back to the ground. She fought back the urge to weep. There was work to do. Of the two scenarios, running out of oxygen was worse, probably. The major component of a fuel leak was optimising the jettisons on the ship to allow the escape pods to not break atmosphere too sharply, or worse, to approach too shallowly and bounce off the atmosphere and get flung back into orbit. With an unknown quantity of fuel, it was impossible to take that into account when planning the flight path, as it could run out at any point. The major component of an oxygen leak, on the other hand, was dealing with how to breathe when there was no air. So oxygen leak was more pressing. She started running calculations, using ballpark estimates for how long a theoretical oxygen supply would continue to last. Several fuel burns were possible at key points to push the nose of the ship up. She began to program them into the console. A loud crash sounded behind her. She turned to see Healy and Alyssa piling into the room, not even stopping to take the time to close the hatch behind them. Meg crossed to the hatchway and closed it, turning just in time to see their helmets removed. Healy looked graved, but Alyssa was white as a sheet and starting to quiver. She was in shock from something. Meg grabbed her and pushed her firmly to the ground. Alyssa stared up blankly, and Meg told her to stay on the ground before turning to Healy. What happened? 
Healy regarded her carefully before saying, You shouldn't have waited. I know, but I did, and now you're here. What happened to her? She jabbed a finger at the woman staring vacantly at the wall. There was a body in engineering. Well, the remains of one, he said, but he wasn't really paying attention. What is it? Meg asked. The leak, he replied, and he was looking scared. Oxygen, she thought, and her stomach dropped. At least she'd been preparing for it. Give it to me, she said, bracing for it. So have we lost our fuel or our oxygen line? Healy's lip moved, but she didn't want to comprehend it. It was an option her brain had switched off from her. She thought she'd been prepared for the worst case scenario. One where they had scant time, but at least had the fuel reserves to get into a position where most people would be able to make a safe landing. The entire time, she'd been thinking that the situation was a binary, that it was going to be fuel or oxygen spraying into space. But it wasn't the case. Because the word Healy had said was both.